now how the weekend's going did it go to plan did it not go to plan and you know how it's been two weeks now so pop in the chat box how weekend's gone and maybe how the two weeks has gone nutrition wise and then Paul we can move from us so you can bust, bust some myths later as well sound as a pound <clears throat> let me tell you you're busting myths as yes or no again I'm going to make you sweat now it's not happening. I'll, I'll, I'll give you yes or no answers. Um, mm-hmm. How was your weekend, Scott? How did it go for you? What was? How would you have ranked your weekend with Wales beating the mighty Scots? Was it? Yeah, it was Scotland this weekend, wasn't it? They thought Scotland were going to win a Grand Slam, didn't they? Beat England, ooh, Grand Slam. Sorry, boys. Bam! The Dragons came in. But I, I was quite ill, so I didn't do much, Paul. Just meal prepped, actually, mate. Oh, nice. Yeah, it took me hours. Meal prepped, some went good, some went bad. But now I've got loads of meals in my fridge. I feel really good about it. And I really I feel good about eating veg as well. <clears throat> I, was, like I, always think, I always think it's one of those things like if you can shift your nutrition to be like to include more like fruits and veggies and stuff, it's amazing how quickly you kind of notice your energy levels and stuff changing, even if it's just psychologically, like there's something about like this week. I had a bit of a beige weekend this weekend, and I just like <clears throat> probably one of the reasons I'm feeling a little bit rough as well. Um, I had quite a beige weekend and yeah, just woke up this morning, just craving like fresh fruit and everything else as well. And just instantly, even the psychological element, but just feeling so much better for, for just having a bit of fiber in my diet and, you know, um, yes. Yeah, all the colors, mate. All the colors, mate. Is it Take true? Pe- is it true the peppers, you know, the colorful peppers, they're colored or they actually those colors? Oh, I don't know. There's there's loads, there's loads of stuff around. There's loads of stuff around carrots and carrots like used to originally be white and they're kind of like then they they were selectively bred for their coloring. There's loads of um, there's loads of like current vegetables that in their natural wild form we would be like unpalatable. So wild spinach is one as well. Like wild spinach is basically um, fairly unpalatable as I've read somewhere before. So yeah, yeah, carrot, carrots do purple. I think they come in the white. Maybe I've got that wrong. Maybe it's purple and white I've got mixed up. But yeah, there's loads of things that are like, they, they cross-pollinate with various plants to make them a bit more appealing um, colour-wise. Why is it when I eat more veg, I get, my digestion is tough. Like I feel like it's, uh, what's the word? I feel like I'm working all the time in the digestive um, system. Well, it's, well, your digestive system, I mean, this is something where I think there's, there's a couple of things here. One is like a perceptual thing, like having more fiber in your diet is going to slow your digestive transit down. Does that mean your digestive system is working harder or is it just different to eating loads of beige foods, which goes through every few hours? Like it's the perception of, you know, we feel full and we feel bloated from eating foods, but do we, or do we just feel full like we should do? And that's like a normal part of eating. And I think there's a difference between feeling bloated from foods and feeling satiated after meals versus, you know, distension and stuff as well. I definitely notice, um, and again, people I work with, if you don't particularly typically have a high fiber diet for a few days, whilst your body adjusts to having more fiber, things will feel a little bit sluggish. And that's normal because it slows digestive system processes down, which isn't a bad thing. It allows you to extract more nutrients from your food, allows you to get more stable blood sugar levels, allows you to do things like bind their excess cholesterol, particularly with people who maybe have got issues with high cholesterol. And I'm not talking about high cholesterol in terms of the diet. I'm talking about like medically high cholesterol related stuff as well. It helps with reabsorption of that and binding of cholesterol. Um, and then obviously your digestive system 
it's almost like a symbiotic org- or organism. So like you've got your gut bacteria as well, and your gut bacteria um, that live in your, your large intestine or your colon, they will adapt, the, the population will adapt to what you feed it. So again, whilst those bacteria that are getting more fiber start to kind of proliferate and then can digest the, the, the soluble types of fiber, that's why it's typically when people then eat a bit more fiber, like for a few days or whatever, they might feel like it might interrupt the bathroom habits slightly. It might um, cause them to blow a bit more. It might cause them to be a lot more gaseous, shall we say, have a bit more flatulence. But typically speaking, if you're consistent with it, that's fine. Um, and yeah, like the other side of it as well is when people then try and intentionally eat what I would say is too high fiber, like literally they're eating like chicken and broccoli or chicken and asparagus or chicken and spinach and that's, spinach and that's all they're eating. There's certain types of fiber that are in foods, and this is where it gets quite complex because you've got soluble and insoluble fiber, roughage and non-roughage fiber. And again, depending on the ratios and amounts of those you have in the diet, that can then start to make people feel a bit bunged up and they think the answer to that is taking more fiber on, but quite often fiber type matters. Mm. But that's why I think if you've just, again, it depends on like, when people say I'm consciously going to eat more fiber, what they tend to mean is, right, I'm going to eat loads of broccoli and loads of greens, particularly from a bodybuilding and bro background, where actually it's more about the different types of fiber, um, different types of fiber. So like, you know, like your whole grains, it's got a bit of roughage and soluble fiber in it. Your vegetables tend to have a bit more soluble fiber in it than insoluble. So getting a good variety of different fiber types rather than just being like, right, I need more fiber. So I'm going to eat loads of bran flakes, you know, which might help some people, but might cause other people to clog up. Um, so, you know, that's why I think that like, you see a lot of people like might take fiber supplements and things as well to help with the digestion. But again, you know, if you take a food first approach to nutrition and just this idea of balance, fruits, vegetables, some whole grains, most people will find that they're consuming enough. As a general rule, just while we're on the topic of fiber, I, gen- I do think as well that like, we don't talk about it a lot because protein is massively important. We talk about the focus on protein and the questions come from protein. I think from a weight management perspective and a fullness perspective, I think fiber is equally as important. If you look at a lot of the literature on that, in terms of satiety, I would make a case for, for in terms of society being the feeling of fullness we get from foods, I would make there's a good case for increased fiber intake over protein, but that doesn't mean we then just abandon protein. I'm just saying that in terms of that one aspect of why we would consume more of that food um, or that type of food. I think that. How many, how many, well, the, the, with a new app update, we are tracking fiber guys, just yeah. so you know, but Paula, to sell people until I update, um, how many grams of fiber a day on uh, roughly would you say then? So typically, typically what you're looking at is around 15 grams of fiber per thousand calories of energy consumed would be a rough guide. So that's why if you look at the back of packets of things and it says like RDA of fiber will usually be 25 grams, give or take, because that's based on the estimate that the average person needs 2000 calories a day. So that's why they are the A's. So the recommended daily allowance or amounts for fiber are around about 25 grams. Um, but typically speaking around 15 grams per thousand calories. However, I'm going to caveat that with, if you're eating lower calories, you're probably likely, if you're making food choices that are based around more food volume, you probably find your fiber as a, a gram per thousand calories is higher. And if it's not, that's probably something you want to look at. Not because you need to eat more fiber, but because if you are eating, say, 1,200 calories a day, 1,300 calories a day, and your fiber is like five grams a day, that suggests to me there's a hell of a lot of beige food in there you know, um, maybe just fill out those meals. So we use it not to panic, but it's to use that as more of a stimulation of thought about the overall quality of the composition of the diet. 
rather than simply being panicking, I've eaten low fiber, you know, because it's quite easy to get it back up again. Um, like I say, filling out half your plate with veggies will do you the world of good, both in terms of energy levels, in terms of fullness, in terms of a uh, visual aspect of having a plate full of food for relatively low calorie composition um, and digestive system eventually and stuff as well. A lot of people will also note as well, just on the protein side of things, if they increase the protein in the diet, they'll notice that that might cause a bit of bloating um, <clears throat> and things like that. Um, because again, it's their body di digesting there. So I think... Um, well, yeah, okay. So fiber, 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 it'd make it easier to track. Um, bloating's normal to start with if you increase your fiber. So that's the main thing there. And then, Paul, what would you say about on the protein topic? So, Tavia here, going over by 50 grams of protein a day, therefore going over in calories. What is your take on that? Um, I would, I would, <clears throat> I would want to know kind of, again, like having a, a protein-focused diet is fine. And going over by 200 calories on, any, on, on protein isn't going to be an issue because protein isn't typically – and I'm going to try not to get too much into the nitty gritty of this. And I don't like saying, trust me, I'm a doctor on this one, but trust me, I'm a doctor on this one. The overeating on protein, the conversion, the efficiency of conversions to excess energy storage, i.e. fat, doesn't really take place. It's just inefficient because you lose energy along the, along the processing way. So it has to go from protein to amino acids, from amino acids into um, you get ketogenic amino acids and glucogenic amino acids. And then again, after that, once it's been used for energy, it would then have to be converted back into fatty acids, which again is a less energy efficient process. So if you're overeating your protein up until quite high amounts, probably don't worry about it. Like to most people here, to overconsume that amount of protein would be a good effort and probably impossible. Like if you were to try and overeat calories by like 500 calories a day from an extra few hundred grams of protein, unless you were eating a pure carnivore style diet, which I highly wouldn't recommend. Um, that you yeah you'll struggle to like eat that way so calories calories matter and of course they do but when you're talking about the interchangeability of calories it's really fats and carbs which are interchangeable in terms of how the body stores them as excess body fat or loses them as excess uh, uh, and loses them in a calorie deficit whereas protein we don't need to worry about too much and again like i say the complexities of why that is is probably beyond the scope the, the, the scope of what um what I'll talk about here. Um, again, more protein, typically speaking, if someone increases the protein in the diet, they will tend to find that they will typically feel fuller, so reduce overall calorie intake anyway, eventually. So don't worry too much about that like, as your body adjusts to it. Um, so yeah, don't, don't worry about if you're consuming. I, I don't like using the word excess protein because it sounds like it's, it is excess. But don't worry about consuming a bit more protein than maybe is on your allowances because 200 calories extra of protein by the time you've lost some in digestive system process and, and other processes that take place, yeah, you're probably talking a net gain of like virtually insignificant amounts. Happy days. Well answered, well answered. Okay, Jackie, Jackie, are you here? Do you want to come on the old... Oh, well, first of all, um, Octavia, do you have anything else to... And I can see you there on the screen, hello. Do you have any... Do you want to come on? Anything else you want to ask Paul or you all good? Up to you. You're on your, yeah, you're good. Okay, cool. Jackie, where are you? Where are you? Are you going to come? Oh, there you are. Hello, hello, hello. That's the doctor himself. 
Yeah, so I really, really struggle at weekends because I do go out quite a lot. Um, and a lot of the places I go to, they're quite, you know, those sort of fancier restaurants where you've got, you know, I went to this amazing place on Friday, but it was all, it was nine courses. Each little dish was very fancy and I have zero idea how I'm going to track that in the app. Um, and Sunday I went out for a roast, but we had some starters beforehand and they were like, you know, mushroom parfait with this and that and crab and artichoke and like it's just really tricky when the dishes are quite complicated. Um, like what to put in the app for that? Okay, so um, there's two there's two there's two things here really. One is how do we track things if we when we can't track them? And the answer is that throughout life we have to use track, track. Philosophical point first: tracking is a tool. It's not meant to be something that we can apply in every situation all of the time. We've got to do the best we can with things. So from a philosophical perspective, I don't want people to get anxiety if they can't track everything accurately. The question would be, then let's say you're trying to reach a specific physique result and you don't know what you're consuming and you're not reaching those results. What that should do is shine a big shiny arrow. Maybe it's the weekend behaviors that are causing the problem rather than the calories that you're consuming of the weekend behaviors. So the question becomes, what do we do about that? The question would be is, let's say that every weekend look like you've described there, Sunday roast with several starters, well, then at some point we have to make a decision which goes back to what I called last week of what do we have to sacrifice in order to get the results we want physically, right? That's the reality of the situation. We can't have our cake and eat it too, right? Like that's the reality of it. So sometimes we have to put our toddler brain to one side, which is like, I want, I want, I want brain. We have to put our adult brain on and say, actually this weekend, I'm going to have this amazing meal here. And that means on the Sunday, I'm okay with having that one amazing meal. And then we make those adjustments there if we're not making progress, Okay. When it comes to things like tasting menus and stuff like that, which are nine courses or so, no one in their right mind is going to expect you to sit there and calculate and track things at the time at the right time. However, typically speaking, what you will find is, so I went to an amazing tasting, play, tasting menu at a place called the Bow Rooms in York a few weeks ago. Typically speaking, they will publish a menu. You will know what you're getting with each sitting. You'll find it on the website. So you don't need to do anything at the time. But it's always good to go through. And for example, if there's a sushi course, just track it as that. Now, even if it's not accurate, it's a note to yourself to know, right, okay, what was the rough portion size of that as well? And this is why I think last week I touched upon, even in situations where you can't weigh and measure, at least in the starting point, whilst you're at home, weigh and measure as much stuff as you can so that when you go away, you have a better idea of eyeballing stuff. I mean... I don't know. I, one of the things I do with my clients, if I'm doing a full detailed nutrition analysis, is I ask them for a, a recorded log on what's um, on tracking app. But I will also ask them to take pictures of their food if they're eating out so we can see where their accuracy is as well. So did you take pictures of your food to Instagram it or do anything like that as well for your own memory? Or are you not like me? You take pictures of everything they eat. That's I photograph right. everything. Right. Okay. So you've got, you've, got something there, you've got something there on record where you can then go back and reflect upon. So the question always becomes, yes, it's a pain in the backside, but if that's your lifestyle and that's what you're going to do, well, then unfortunately there's the effort that has to be put into making sure that that can be accommodate, accommodated. Now, does that mean that from day one of, of tracking things, you're going to 100% know what everything is? Of course not. It's a learning, it's a learning experience. And quite often, like, like you say, if, you, if, you ha if that's your typical weekend of having these experiences and you know Monday to Friday you're being, and again, to extract it out to more of a bird's eye view, and more of a helicopter view, sorry. Um, if you're looking at that across the course of the week and you eat, say, three, three meals a day and a snack a day, let's just say, and that's over the course of five days and then a weekend, let's say you have 30 to 40 eating opportunities a week, right? If those one or two eating opportunities that you're having, a Sunday dinner and a Saturday evening meal, 
are stopping you making progress, then you're doing something which is seriously overconsumption in those time periods. So then what we can do is we've got two options. One is we go, I don't know what I'm doing on a Saturday or Sunday, and I don't want to put the effort into learning that. That's option one. And then we have to adjust downwards in the week. You know, we've got the macro slider thing. So you can factor that error in, if you want to call it that, or the lack of knowledge in. Or you can say, right, of a weekend, what is a reasonable amount of control that I'm willing to exercise? So reflective practice on that and say, you know, if you're going out for a tasting menu and it's seven or eight courses, do we have to have the wine flight with it, for example? I did, you know, guilty. But if you're going out and having, if you're going out for a Sunday dinner, do you have to go back if it's, you know, like I love a carvery because I'm cheap like that. Um, you know, like if I'm, if do I have to go back for seconds? How do I fill my plate up? Do I really not know what this is? And could I take a picture of it and then just go home and look at portion size guides and look at my other experiences with tracking to then educate myself? So I think that's one of the issues that people have with tracking is they decontextualize it away from really what it means to um really what it means is like a long-term tool yes we want you to be accurate and that's why we ask you accuracy questions and if you're not being able to answer those questions about accuracy well then that should just be a little kind of trigger point to say well is this the reason i'm not progressing not to catastrophize it but then like i said before to pull on that part of our brain which says i can convince myself that this is okay or i can say this is this is problematic not in terms of food choices because you want to be able to eat what you want when you want within reason but is this problematic in terms of my behaviors and what am i willing to do about that so you know as i've become more experienced tracking i still am never going to be 100 accurate nobody is all the time but at least if we've got some ballpark idea and even if it is just like monday to friday is kind of super accurate and then you know like i said before monday to friday is super accurate and over weekend you don't know what you're consuming but you're still not making progress well then that tells you that okay, you can, I mean, there's some complex things you can do to reverse engineer it. But let's say, let's say you were, you were eating 1500 calories Monday to Friday, and we'd expect you to lose weight on 1500 calories, let's just say, and then you're not losing weight. Well, then what does that tell you that you're over consuming of a weekend? Probably at several hundred calories more. So then you can be like reductive with it. So it might be okay. Well, if this is my normal weekend, then I have a bottle of wine every weekend. Do I swap to half a bottle of wine a weekend? And then you try that. And then you make progress or you don't. And then you swap something else and then you swap something else and then you swap something else. And we're just creating those ever diminishing returns. Uh, sorry, those ever di di diminishing. We're reducing the gap between success and behaviors that cause us to not reach our goals. And, and that's not a quick fix way of doing things. But if we're going to live a lifestyle that does have a certain degree of uncertainty in it, then we need to be aware that of how we tweak those, you know, you're tweaking the dial rather than just going straight to being given the combination and trying to, we're trying to crack the safe rather than being given the code. So that's how I would view tracking. Tracking is if you're accurate all the time, it's like being the given a conversation, a combination to a safe. If we're not tracking all of the time, we can be given some ideas of it, but we kind of have to just like pick the lock ourselves and put a bit more effort in and sort of figure out how things work. So I can't give you a direct answer to that, but I can float some ideas that maybe say, you know, people that lost weight without tracking, we use it as a tool because it's a good educational resource. But yeah, so, or whatever your goal is, people did that without tracking. It's just a really great, efficient tool to learn. So don't view it as like a, this is, this is you know, judge, jury and executioner of your success. It's a signpost to things we might need to adjust. Um, and again, like I said, if you're taking pictures of your food, then come back, reflect upon it, find sushi elsewhere, 
you know, if it's like a mini portion of whatever it is, um, or like arbitrarily, I will look at a plate of food now and be like, that's probably 300 calories a plate, a small plate of food. And then I'll just add up seven plates or whatever it is. Because realistically, if you look at that size portion, but that just comes with experience and tracking again, you know? Um, but yeah, sorry. I, without giving specific examples of foods and being able to look at it, it's kind of difficult for me to say that's that or that's the other, you know? But that's only because I've got experience doing it. Yeah, that's helpful. Thank you. There's some good tools that I can use in there. Because, yeah, it is, it is a lifestyle thing and it's kind of hard when you do go out a lot, but yeah, yeah. not to panic. And, but it's, it's, a, it's a really good point, though, that you've made because sometimes I think people can hide behind, like, not tracking as well. It's like, well, I can't track. It's not my responsibility anymore. It's like we're passing that blame onto something else, not saying in your situation, but a lot of people do that in different ways. You know, it's very easy to be like, well, I'm trying to use this tool and this tool isn't working for me because my lifestyle doesn't allow it. So then we just, like, throw the baby out with the bathwater rather than going no, no, it's a tool, here's where it's useful and here's where it's not useful or here's how it is useful and here's how we manipulate the tool to do the thing that, that we want it to do. Um, so, yeah, and that I think that applies to a lot of people. Even if it's home cooking or you're eating out with friends or going to restaurants and it's a bit more easy to access the menus, like don't just think that, um, don't just think for one second because you can't track accurately, there's no value in doing something, you know, because it will highlight when you reflect upon your diaries Right. Oh, yeah. This is where I could be. Um, this is where I could be struggling to, you know, reduce my intake sufficiently enough to 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 reach my goals, and then just to just backwards from there. Hopefully, that's helpful. <clears throat> I think for everyone on weekends, it's, I think it's something that we're always going to focus on. To this challenge is what what can we do on weekends. Um, does anyone else have anyone related to weekends that the Paul can touch on? Any questions? So I next see his uh, other questions here. But anyone here ever really struggle on the first two weekends and has felt a bit just put them behind or are we all good? Just dog, dog, dog. Um, Amy Nev, yeah, if you accept it, yeah. If you accept No, Sorry. we're all good. We're all good. But Paul, it's the same like, I don't know if, the the deficit people are on is a pound of fat a week. That's the you know estimate. It's not yeah. perfect, right? So, you know, even if you accepted that you ate more than a meal, like you can just accept that you're gonna lose fat a bit slower that week, or maybe it's a week that you don't really care if you lose fat or not. Like it's just a healthy, productive week. You've ate good food. You've worked yeah. out. You've got stronger. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to always be. It's not always successful if you only lose fat. It's successful if you can do a full life in a week. Well, it's, it's, and I completely agree. I think when we're answering specific questions, it's very easy to become like very myopic and focused on the actual mm. problem that's there as opposed to, like I say, taking a step away. Like if you've made good decisions all week and exercised and done everything you need to do and invested in your health or journaled or anything else that you found is useful in terms of long-term health, physical and mental, not just weight loss. I'm talking, you know, being stronger, fitter, healthier, all of that kind of stuff. Then if you can write a list of the things that you would say are the most important facets of your health and well-being, does that does that necessarily mean that we have to lose weight every single week to invest in our health? Um, I think Amy put a comment on the box there as well. I was just checking and saying like, you know, if you're having special meals out and stuff, then, you know, don't worry about it. That's fine. But I do think there's a difference between having a special meal out, you know, because it's Valentine's or it's a, a birthday or a wedding or something like that versus with Jackie's situation there, which is like, if that's what you're doing every single weekend, because it's a part of your lifestyle, you shouldn't have to give that up. And that's, that's not what we're saying. But I do think that like, 
yeah, it's not writing off and feeling frustrated. It's learning from what the experiences are and the data that we are capturing, even if it's not incomplete data. Just to take a step away from that, one of the things that I will often do is when I'm working with a client on a one-to-one basis, what they don't track often tells me more than what they do. So one of the reasons that I ask someone to track their food intake and then I'll ask them to take pictures of their food or write a food diary alongside it is because you will see discrepancies all over the place, even though it should technically be the same thing. And it's not to pick on them and go, aha, I caught you. It's quite often to be like, right, okay, so why didn't you track this? Or, you know, you missed that off that. What was going on? Because it creates awareness around the quality of the information that, that we're collecting there. So, again, it's not to say whether you can or can't do something. It's just being aware of, okay, is this having an impact or not? And then making those tweaks and those adjustments accordingly. Um, but I do completely agree with what Scott's saying there. That in answering a question, I don't want people to lose sight of the fact that there's more components to this than just hitting your macros each week. You know, there's more to it than that. There's making better food choices. There's having some food control. So in Jackie's situation there, if she thinks that maybe those weekend habits and behaviors are the problem, and you were to say, right, okay, well, next week, I'm going to start by saying on a Sunday dinner, I'm going to just have, you know, a glass of wine as opposed to maybe a few glasses of wine. And you do that and you don't lose weight, let's say, even if that's the case that's still a massive success because you're still exercising control over something and awareness of like, actually, you know what? I had that glass of wine and that was fine. I didn't need to have three or four or five or whatever it is that people do on a Sunday, right? Or whatever it is each individual's behavior is. Just because we do something doesn't mean that it's immediately going to have a significant impact on our results. But um, but it's usually, it's usually an accumulation of those little tweaks and changes that make a difference. But that doesn't mean you should write them off because we don't get success. And I think that's what people do because all they ever view is the negative aspect of going, oh God, I didn't get hammered this weekend as opposed to going, wow, I showed some restraint this weekend, still had a really good time, didn't really add that much to it because most of the wine that I drink at dinner is habitual because the waiter keeps topping my glass up. And actually I would have been fine with one glass, you know? Um, It's like, I think me and Scott have discussed this before about going out for beers with friends. It's like after a few pints, I don't notice that much difference. Do you know what I mean? I do it to be social. And actually, past that, nobody cares and I don't care. Um, and and so just an awareness of those things. I talked about awareness last week as being key to most bits of success. Um, so, yeah, sorry. I'm just trying to read some of the questions coming through. <clears throat> yeah, I think with um, with eating out as well, typically eating out a lot, there's a feature coming in the app soon where you'll be able to talk into the app and say what, you're, what you've had. And it'll just pick up and it'll match it with this like generic amount. You can say like, I had uh, I had a hummus and flatbread starter with two glasses of red wine. I had, I had a 12 ounce ribeye steak with chips and I had um, creamy spinach with it. And it'll just like match it up for you and give you an estimate. And that's kind of as good as you're going to get really. So that's, we need, we need to find a solution for it. Cause like Tiff, 50% of the time, might be difficult for a lot of people who want to track, but then half the time they're not tracking accurately and they get demotivated. So we need to find the ground where the error is not too big. But like Paul says, you know, like if we overestimate when we eat out, it's safer than underestimate. And we probably do underestimate because we think a bit of chips is like 300 calories and most of the time eating out is way more. Yeah. Um, well, that I, is, think that's, yeah. I think there's that's, that kind of ties back in with what, what I was trying to, the point I was trying to make though, which is if you can't track 50% of the time, there's still other things you can do that 50% of the time you can't track, like eating till you feel full. 
you know, like trying to make better, more pragmatic food choices rather than going, I can't track, let's have the steak chips and onion rings and the burger with the cheese on it and the bacon. I can't track, so what possible, what possible better eating decision could I make, right? It's not always about whether we know the accuracy of the calories. It's about changing behaviors so that we're consciously making better food choices and feel more empowered to make better food choices, regardless of what the calories are. So I think that that's another thing. Like if you are unable to track accurately, then my argument would be, well, then what's the next best thing that you can do? Like make better food choices, try and be, okay, right. Well, do I, do I, do I have to have dessert with every meal that I go out and do? If it's just because it's free, if we're with a business and it's being paid for or whatever, do I have to have wine with every meal? Do I have to do those things? Um, and I would guarantee most people, if they made a small change to those traveling behaviors, rather than just doing like, you know, Mine used to be Sheffield train station when I was in a rush to get back from there for meetings from when I was doing my master's degree. Sheffield train station, the only thing there was a Burger King. I'd run in and just get a Burger King every single time I was there, Monday to Friday, because I didn't even stop and think. We're actually, um, we're actually, like, there's plenty of other options there. Now, does that mean I know I'm being accurate? No, it doesn't. But it does mean that I'm trying to empower myself to not be a slave to negative food choices because I've got a belief that I can't make better options because there's always a better choice to make. The question becomes is why are we are making them? And sometimes it's appropriate, special occasions, because I just fancy it, right? We talked last week about taking the emotion away from eating and not being stressed about it. But that also means that we can't just let ourselves off the hook and just be like, well, I don't feel emotional about eating this, but then I'm going to feel frustrated about not reaching my goals. And I would guarantee that if 50% of the time people are accurate and they do know what they're tracking and 50% of the time they said, I'm going to put something together that looks like a balanced meal, protein, some carbs, some vegetables, people would still get results. Like it's just trying to not, it's trying to just not be defeated by the fact we can't be accurate. And it's, I know it's not easy to do because we, you know, we, we announce and pronounce and value the, the, the tools that we've, we've developed and given you guys, but you know, it's not, it's not, it's not without, it's not without outside the realms of possibility to be successful without ever having to track food. It's just a nice vehicle to learn about opportunities to be successful. Um, <laughs> Tiffany said, have you, have you seen plain food, Paul? Not sure they are balanced meals. That's a good point, but I only fly business class. So, you know, mine's a little bit nice. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I flow once and now I think I'm special. Um, but again, but again, like if, again, if it's one of those things where like realistically, they're not balanced meals and I completely agree with you there, but like how many, like how many, um, like how many calories really are in one of those plain food meals? Like a few hundred really the size of the portions on there as well. Like most of the time, that's not going to be people's problems. It's again, it's this taking a step outside of that and saying like, look, you know, I, 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 do you know what? I would hazard a guess that if you were to look on most planes, most, again, in the same way we were talking about before with Jackie, I bet you, I bet you if you were to hazard a guess, they would publish most menus on a flight thing. And if you really wanted to know, you could probably find that information there somewhere. But like, again, it's just whether we can be back, we can be backside, backsided to do it. You know what I mean? It's like, I couldn't, I would just guesstimate because realistically I don't travel very much. But again, if you're not being successful in reaching your goals and that's the way you're eating, well, then is it a case of saying, well, if I'm going to have to play meal, but I'm going to have the little crappy chocolate pudding they give with me, or do I have to have the glass of wine with dinner? Can I just have water? There's things that we can always do to improve that, you know? Um, it's just whether we choose to or not, or how much importance we see on that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm just, I'm always <laughs> good. See, Tiffany, you're making that decision already. You know, but even if you were flying like every single day of the week, 
that's like one meal, seven meals of like, you know, seven meals of the week. You've still got 28 other eating opportunities to try and, um, <laughs> sorry guys, I'm trying to laugh at the comments in there as well. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's still trying to be pragmatic and say, okay, these are better choices. But just on the flip side of that, I will guarantee you, I will guarantee you that most people's success or failure when it comes to weight management, weight loss, um, isn't those things. It's not those things. It's the stress eating of an evening. It's the bag of popcorn or bag of crisps in front of the TV of, of an evening. That's the real success. It's not the three square meals a day they're eating, regardless of whether you know what's in it or not, unless you are going to restaurants and having like three courses. And it's, you know, again, not cognizant, um, not, it's not uh, cognitively focused on, um, what's the word, on making good food choices in those main meals a day, you know? Mm. You go on holiday, fine, if you just <laughs> make better choices. It's just not drinking three litres of sangria at the beach whilst you're, whilst you're eating healthy. It's like, I ate healthy every day and didn't lose weight whilst I was on holiday or didn't maintain weight. It's like, really? Was it the three meals a day you had or was it the sangria and the cocktails and everything else that goes with it? And I'm not saying don't do it, but let's not overly focus on the food. And the chances are it's a million and one other things that we're doing alongside that that are the real problem. True. Um, answer Melissa's question here. Um, yeah, it's okay to go over your carbs extra, but on the app, it, it, just let it go over and, and at the end, it work out your average. So, like, don't be too worried about, like, if you do change it, yeah, it will automatically just it reduce another days. But if you go over, it'll just, you can see your our weekly average every day if you tap insights. So that'll just probably be a slightly over your target. But you'd be surprised, mind. Like before we had this app and it was a lot easier to do, like it's easier now, we had the spreadsheet. And some people like massively overeat on a weekend sometimes, not huge, but like, you know, double a carb intake. But then their weekly average actually worked out being quite near their goal because the for four, to five, four or five days of the week, they were bang on. So it tends to work out if we are being a bit moderate, really. It tends to be quite close, up, up, down, up, down. Like five or six days versus one. Are you going to consume 5,000 calories in one day? Paul will. But I can. I can. Yeah. But the chances <laughs> are you guys are not going to do it. Like, I mean, I've done it before. I ate 12 Krispy Kreme donuts in three minutes once on video to Ryan. That's my... Uh, that's my chat. That's my uh, thing, Paul. But what's your, record, what's your record intake in a day, Scott? No idea. That, to be fair, Krispy Kremes are not too bad. They're like 200 calories each, which is still a lot. But like, it's not that bad. I just, I just hate paying th three, six quid for three donuts. Sorry, I don't, I don't care how good they taste. Would you like them? I do like it, but I'm not paying six quid for three donuts. Paul, try my bank. They're class. Uh, Dr. C went to allow us to be eating more on ice hockey days. There was a question oh, earlier. Yeah, once when I asked about eating on ice hockey days, I think that was what Melissa was asking. Can you remind me, Dr. P? Going over 50 grams on your exercise days. Yeah, so like if you if you're just I don't know if I've missed something here as well in terms of comments, but I think I'm getting the general thread there. So if you're having days where you're exercising a bit more and you feel you need a few more extra calories on those days, like have them. It's averages that matter. Now with time, you can kind of reverse engineer this a little bit. So like Scott was saying before, the the numbers that we 
give, prescribe, whatever you want to call it, their estimates. So for some people, if their activity all of a sudden goes through the roof, particularly going from winter into summer, let's say you're an outdoor cat like me and you hate running in winter. So you do a lot more running outside and a lot more things that would like burn a lot more calories. Then it's natural that if you're consuming a certain amount of calories, then in the summer and you start then doing like a long run of a weekend or going for bike rides or whatever it might be, just being more active and going for like hikes and stuff, but you're going to be hungrier on those dates. So again, your data will drive the process in terms of weight loss will occur quicker. You'll feel hungrier. You know, all the other things that we try and observe and we ask you, encourage you guys to be your own scientist with. So if you are then starting to lose weight at a faster rate, notice an inch is coming off, changes a bit more, then there's nothing wrong with eating a bit more food. I think that's where people get caught and they get paranoid because on those exercise days, they get really fearful of eating a few more calories. And it's like, well, that's fine. But also, like, do you want to perform or do you want to lose weight faster? And do you want to lose weight faster but be hungrier and have all the potential negative connotations that come with that as well? But that's where, you know, that's what the check-ins are for and that's what the adjustments are for. We tend to be quite seasonal as humans. Like, people tend to be more active in the summer. Um, but then also in the summer, which tends to counteract that a little bit, is because it tends to become, you know, beer garden season, wine in the beer garden season. I mean, I don't know how much of the summer we get these days, but yeah, I tend to find that people's increases in activity and expenditure get counterbalanced by like the joy of parties and, you know, wedding season and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So we still need to be mindful of that. But the point I'm trying to make was there's nothing wrong with fluctuating your intake on different days, depending on how high your expenditure is. So if you know you've got a run and then you have slightly more carbs on that day, a few extra hundred calories, and the day after you've got, you're going to be sat in your desk chair for 12 hours in front of a computer screen at work, well then, yeah, of course, have more calories on the day you're going to run. Um, or if you run and you keep your calories the same and the next day you're hungrier, well, that's why. So the chances are that you're going to, you know, like I see this a lot with people who have like three or four days of hard exercise, really increase their expenditure. And all of a sudden they're hungry for a couple of days afterwards. And then they feel really guilty about eating a few more calories rather than taking a step back observing how their week's gone and gone. Actually, you know what? My expenditure was super high Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. My calories were low, moderate to low. Well, of course, it's going to catch up with you. And I see this a lot with people who go into hyper-aggressive deficit. It's New Year's resolutioner syndrome. I reduce my calories. I increase my expenditure. And then after a week, I'm starving and want to chew my arm off. And I wonder why I overeat. And then I feel guilty like I failed. That still happens in small little dosages as well. Like when I'm training for, it's really interesting. Like when I'm training for like my ultra-endurance stuff, the day, the day I do my ultra stuff, I don't eat anywhere near back as many calories. It normally hits me the day after. So the day I do it, I'm like, I can, I might burn 6,000 calories on that day, 7,000 calories. My record burn in a day roughly is about 18,000 calories in the day I burn in exercise. Um, that was a 24-hour endurance race, by the way. So it wasn't exactly a fun day at the office, right? Um, but the next, that day, so I started at midday, finished the day after. The next day after that, I only ate about 3,000 calories. But the two days after that, I literally couldn't stop eating. Like I just, it was just like a bottomless, like a bottomless pit because my body needed it. Um, and again, I know that's an extreme example, but quite often, you know, if we exercise, it can actually withdraw our appetite for a period of time afterwards for some people. So therefore, if you do that over a few days and then we get hungry, don't feel worried if you have a day where you've been three days of being good in bunny rabbit ears, and then all of a sudden you have a day where you're bad in bunny rabbit ears, try and take that as accumulation of what's happened on the days before, you know, especially if you're taking up new exercise, new activity and stuff. And then again, the averages will tell you whether you've overconsumed or not. So, you know, the day, don't be emotional about the data. Don't be emotional about feeling hungry. As long as it's the difference between being hungry 
and you know just eating mindlessly because we're bored and again it's separating out the difference between hunger and cravings is a challenging one for a lot of people um hunger cravings and when it's being physiologically driven because physiological eating isn't always driven by hunger like i was saying if you're in a calorie deficit over a few days you'll just have these really strong drivers to eat so it's not easy to pick apart but with time and experience you will figure it out um so yeah, Melissa just said there, normally the day after a big training session, you wake up starving. So that's it. So, you know, that we just need to be mindful that we don't eat too many calories back though. Like I see that a lot. I work with a lot of like um, what I would call age group athletes, particularly cyclists. So they'll be out on the bike for four or five hours. And because they've been out for four or five hours of exercise, that sounds a lot, but they'll be doing a lot of time where they're, um, let's say they're being pulled along because of slipstreaming and stuff like that. So they're actually, the expenditure for each hour isn't super high. So maybe over four or five hours, they're only burning two and a half, 3000 calories. Sounds a lot, but then they'll go from the back of that ride. Then they'll go and have like a big day of eating afterwards because they've earned it. And then they wonder why they can't, you know, lose body fat mass. Cause it's quite easy to eat 3000 calories. If you put your mind to it. Um, it's not quite as easy to burn it if you're not careful. So yeah, a lot of people try and eat their calories back mindlessly Whereas I'm not saying don't put some of them back. I'm just saying be aware that, you know, going for a long run or having a hard session doesn't give us carte blanche to just go completely renegade, which is a word I've not used in a while. I'm going to bring it back. And my old clients will tell you to use the word renegade a hell of a lot. Yeah, not to go full renegade, just go part renegade. Yeah. Um, is Rach here? Rach here, are you here? Are you in the room? Are you on the mic? If not, I'll ask it for you. I think it probably might have covered it a bit there, but um, snacking, not hungry, still eating. What's the mindset? Say that again, mate. Sorry, can you phrase that as a question rather than a series of words? Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, so she, I'll just re- I'll just actually say. Sorry, what she's well, I am. Oh, you can you hear me that? Stop. Yes, yes. Let's I go, Richie. Out on a walk with the dog. So sorry. Um, and my headphones don't work, which is really annoying. Um, so my question is really sort of kind of like we're tracking macros and everything. I've been like there, loads there. But over the last sort of few days, like this bit of a revelation that I just don't actually need to eat as much as I think I do. I don't even know if that makes any sense. So when I hear like other people and what they've got, I think, oh, blind me, I've got quite a lot more than that. But I'm still going over probably over what maintenance would be and I don't know I don't know why well I know why it is I'm eating too much but I don't know how to make that shift because it feels like quite a massive shift compared to where I am to where I need to be okay can I just a quick question with that as well so like on average like how many calories a day are you over from what's been estimated I'd say quite comfortably as long as I'm tracking and being honest quite comfortably sort of 500 over every day and I kind of I'm not doing what other people are doing where it doesn't balance out over the averages I am just over okay so in terms of that 500 calories then have you noticed any change in your physique is weight coming down at all or is it is it just like it's so it's maintaining beautifully and I think what's really sort of heightened it is I can't train at the moment because I'm sort of post-COVID so I think where where in the past where I've lost weight it's because I've sort of exercised a lot and that's sort of let me get away with it but I need to change it okay so um just gonna mute uh, just gonna mute there a second just to get a bit of wind feedback I think I've got a good um a good grasp on that one sorry sorry it's all right I'll find you 
Um, oh, you've got a good job. Okay, so although from a purely energetic perspective, it doesn't matter where you create your def deficit from, food or exercise, typically speaking, I'm a big fan of increasing expenditure to a reasonable level. Why? Twofold. One is that if you're increasing your expenditure, then it allows you to eat more food with the same relative amount of calorie deficit. More food equals more fullness, equals more protein, equals more vitamins and minerals, more energy, typically speaking. So that's point number one. Just as a point and aside, if you were to try, if we were to try to put you on a 500 calorie deficit, is it going to be easier if you're burning 2,000 calories a day, give or take, and eating 1,500 calories, or if you're eat, if you're burning 1,500 calories a day and eating 1,000 calories? I think most people intuitively would want to eat the 1,500 calories, right? So. Again, if someone has got a big training output or exercise output, one of the things that can happen is that, the, sorry, the other side of that equation is that for some people, exercise doesn't seem to have the same impact on hunger as the relative amount of deficit that's there, probably tied into the first point I was making, but there seems to be an independent factor to do, to do with that as well. So exercise, at the same relative amount of deficit in exercise, doesn't appear to be something that people will intuitively eat back unless like, you know, if they're making like choices through hunger rather than choices through, I'm just going to go out and then justify this to have, you know, a big meal and loads of bottles of wine and stuff as well. It's a slightly different issue there. So when they've looked at the research on that, exercise doesn't seem to have the same impact on hunger as, as simply creating the deficit from pure food intake alone. And I think it's probably tied into the first point I was saying around about having a bit more food volume and things as well. So that's, that's one potential reason as to why the difficulty is there. Now, does that mean that we should just shrug our shoulders and just get on with it until we can exercise again? Probably not. If we're going to, if we're struggling to hit that deficit, there's a few reasons. So if you if you think that you're 500 calories over, but you're maintaining, do we instead of trying to put that pressure of hitting 500 calories, the deficit that we put you on, maybe just start with saying, right, how can I bridge that gap a little bit with one or two things that you can swap out? So it might be that if we were being honest with ourselves, that you know we're giving ourselves we're we're, we're snacking mindlessly between meals, let's say for example, or our portion sizes are a little too big. So if we have four meals a day, let's just say, would us taking 50 calories out of each one of those meals really make that significant an impact? Maybe, maybe not. Or if we are doing that, how do we then fill that plate up with lower calorie foods, which is what I kind of talked about at the start, okay? So if we're not going to get the same impact from exercise, we have to make sure that our food choices are a little bit more filling, a little bit more balanced, and probably a little bit more structured overall, so one of the things, like I was saying before, is when people tend to eat their calories back or they overeat, it tends to be grazing behaviors, which tends to be the bigger issue for a lot of people. Now, how do we deal with grazing behaviors? Um, one is distracting ourselves from those grazing behaviors because we're bored, because maybe we're not exercising of an evening, we're sat in front of the TV, we've got nothing else to do, like to do, um, to do with our time. Another is kind of saying, right, okay, I'm hungry now and I want to eat. But how far away am I from my next meal? We get so focused on like food focused on what's in front of us that it's very easy to forget that like we've eaten at lunch at one o'clock. We're having our dinner at say five and we get to three and we get hungry as opposed to being like, I'm hungry now. One, what snacking options are we making if we're going to have a snack? Or but two, 
can we just take a step back and go, actually, you know what? I'm fine through to my dinner. And then, and seeing how things pan out that way. Typically speaking, um, the first thing I would say is not worrying about reducing the calorie deficit. It would be trying to put some reasonable eating structure in place initially. So if your eating patterns are all over the place, you have different time for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You don't really have any snacking options. So you're grabbing stuff while you're out and about because you get hungry because you get into a hunger hole. Start, instead of worrying about the calorie deficit, start by saying, right, I'm going to start with just putting some structured eating in, you know, trying to eat every few hours so that you don't even have a chance to kind of snack and graze because you know your next meal is only going to be a few hours away. We know eating frequency doesn't matter in terms of energetics. Like eat, eating more doesn't speed up your metabolism. It doesn't do any of that kind of stuff. But I do have a genuine belief that for some people, that having some structure is going to be beneficial in terms of those snacking behaviors, particularly if those snacking behaviors aren't being driven by hunger necessarily. If you know that you've only got an hour till your next meal rather than five or six, and you can be aware of that, the chances are that you'll just put it to one side and be like, right, that's fine. Again, my experience, anecdotally, that's what I find works for a lot of people. Um, other people, it might be that what they do is they say, right, well, at lunch, I'm going to have a massive meal and that will take me through till eight, nine o'clock at night. Not necessarily a big fan of doing that, but for some people, it's an approach that they can try. Having one, one or two big, two, sorry, two or three bigger, more filling meals that then keep them super full. Because again, little and small often meals might have the opposite problem is knowing people don't ever feel full from it. So then they're constantly like, well, I've eaten and I'm still hungry. And then again, it's something that, um, it's something that we need to be aware of. So like Tiffany's just said there, snacks give me something to look forward to throughout the day. What is it about snacks that we look forward to? What is it about snacks that like are so great to us? And again, I'm not suggesting this is good or bad. I'm just merely making a point that, um, yeah, so food tastes nice and we accept that food tastes nice and snacks are tasty, but is, taste, is snacking because we want, to, we want to taste food more important than us reaching our goal? And if the answer to that is yes, then we don't reach our goal. Like that's, that's the harsh reality of it. You know, I love crisps. I love snacks. I love all that stuff. Everybody here does, but most people who are successful um, can, can moderate that, figure out what they can and can't get away with. Like, let's face it. Most of our idea of balance is if we boil it down to that, it's what we can and can't get away with nutritionally between enjoyment and having to pull on our big boy and big girl pants and eat a balanced, moderate diet. Right. That's what it comes down to. So if it is snacking behaviors that are there, the conversation to be had is, is this, is this the question, fundamental question that people need to ask themselves? And I do this, everybody does it. This isn't me being preaching to the choir. This is something I do. Is, is this decision in everything I do, business, life, sleep, drink, is this decision I'm making now taking me closer to or further away from my goals? And am I okay with that? Am I okay with the consequences of that? Because if I'm okay with the consequences of it, that's fine, but then I'm not going to piss and moan about it that I've not reached my goals. Right, I'm trying to not be cruel about it, but that's the reality of it. Now, sometimes I will have a glass of wine and I will go out for meals and I'm okay with the consequences of that because I know that the rest of the time, you know, I'm going to rein it in and it's going to be fine. But if I'm not fine with the consequences of that, then like I said, the harsh reality is that food being tasty is something that we just have to accept. You know, me and Scott talked about acceptance last week. Food tastes nice. It's designed to taste nice. Snacks taste nice. Great. Okay, well, so what? Does that mean we have to eat them at every given opportunity? Does it? And that's, that's the philosophical question we have to have. We have to accept that weight loss isn't easy. Weight maintenance in the, 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 um, 
the environment we live in isn't easy. And I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that like, it's just easy to switch that flip, flip that switch on and off. It's something I struggle with. You know, we have to control our environment. We have to think about our attitudes towards foods. We have to, you know, deal with some of those things about emotional eating and stress eating. So by the way, I'm not suggesting that anything I'm saying here is easy to do, but from a starting point, we have to at least come from it from that perspective of, is this helping me reach my goals or not? And am I okay with it? Because if I'm okay with it, do it. Well, then don't be sad or guilty or annoyed with ourselves afterwards. If I'm not okay with it, then don't do it. And then if I'm still doing it, even if I'm not okay with it, then why am I doing that? What's driving this process? What extra support do I need? You know, and that's where we've got to think about journaling and mindset and everything else that comes into it. Because, um, because the, the, that's, sorry, that's, therein lies the challenge. Right. No, no one here has said to you and me and Scott and no one else will sit here and say, like, weight loss is easy or weight maintenance is easy. Food tastes nice. Accept it. And then accept that in order to break that relationship, we have to just try and think of some strategies and some systems to um, to overcome those things rather than just going, oh, well, food tastes nice. And that's it. I'm, I'm a slave to this. OK, well, why are we? Where did this come from? Why is it? What other things can I do in that might be better? How many snacks a day do I really need? What snacks are non-negotiable to me? What can I make a trade-off? What small changes can I make? If I snacks, if I have six snacks a day, can I do five? We don't need to change everything all at once, by the way. That's not what I'm saying. But to make a mindful progression towards an appropriate level of food control. And by the way, I use the word appropriate carefully because everyone's level of appropriateness is different depending on the context and the environment, right? Of course it is. But we have to understand our own and then not use other people's behaviors as a vindication and justification for what we do. Oh, well, such and such does this, so therefore I can do it. No, sorry, doesn't work that way. You know, we need to understand ourselves individually and take, you know, our own personal responsibility and individual responsibility for that. It's not easy to do, but that has to be the starting point. And that also includes our own individual responsibility in terms of developing systems and structures. And we'll guide you through it. I'm here to answer questions all day long if people want me to. You know, and sometimes I'll get a bit preachy like this and I apologize, but it's because I'm passionate about what I do and I want to see people succeed. But ultimately, I can't, I can't be there to tell people not to eat snacks, right? If they're bored of me in or whatever it might be, there has to be a, a willingness to figure out what the drivers to those things are. Um, Paul, what, 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 sorry, what, what about, so this will probably ties in slightly, is like Amy's asking and I think Melissa as, mm -hmm. as well. Are we allowed to exercise more to burn more calories so we can fit in more snacks? I'm going to answer that question with a question. And I know what the answer is going to be because I know that's done like a bit tongue in cheek. Do you think that that is a, do you think that demonstrates a healthy control over food that we have to exercise obsessively to eat more crap? <laughs> like to eat more food that, and again, I don't like labeling foods as good or bad, but we know what we mean by that now, right? We've heard my talks enough. Okay, so if that's what you believe, that that's a good, that, that helps us control our relationship with food and not be a slave to a food-rich environment, then I'm going to politely disagree with that. Because ultimately, we shouldn't punish ourselves with exercise to eat foods that we enjoy. We should be able to factor those things in. By the way, I'm not bashing on snacks. I love a snacky snack. I love a snack. The point is, I'm talking about moderation here. I'm talking about control. I'm talking about enjoying what we're having rather than being a slave to what we're consuming all of the time. So um, I, I think that it's important to... 
to balance the like punishing ourselves through exercise or rewarding ourselves with food all of the time. Like, oh, I've exercised now. I need to, I can eat more. It's like, well, okay, fine. That might be true, but we could, but should you? It's something a mentor of mine used to say, like in business, in nutrition, in everything. It's like you can, but should you? And that's all I'm trying to do with these conversations is stimulate a thought process around our eating decisions so that we don't use food as a punishment or a reward. We just, you know, or maybe we do use them as a, as a reward sometimes, but appropriately. Yeah. And then we don't use exercise as a punishment or a reward. We do exercise for the benefits of exercise rather than doing it because it's something that allows us to have one more cookie, you know, um, because you know, like, yeah, you'll know more about this part because you do all the long distance stuff, but Amy as well is another flaw in the assumption that exercising more to burn more calories, you can eat more snacks. How many calories do you think you can actually burn from exercise? You don't burn that much from exercise unless you're doing crazy amounts. Let's, You'd be lucky to burn. Let's put this. You do, let's put this in perspective. Most people here. I'm going to generalize a little bit. Most people here doing a hard run for an hour. You're talking maybe three slices of pizza, like maximum. Like, you know, and that's fine. But again, I I, I tend to use the like with my athletes and myself personally. I use my long run sessions to elicit my calorie deficits to get me lean. Because it's actually easier if you make whole nutrient. Then if I burn say. 5,000 calories in a day on a long run day, for example, if I'm out for three, four hours, it's much easier for me to eat a balanced, healthy diet that day, have some snacks, and then use that as a calorie deficit day. So like I will actually use those long days not to eat calories back because it's actually easier to eat three and a half, 4,000 calories of good whole nutrient dense foods and still be in a thousand calorie deficit that day. And yeah, like I was saying before, if I do something super extreme and long, again, I'm talking about an extreme there rather than an individual an individual experience and most people that i work with who are endurance-based athletes it's those longer days where they get the biggest amount of impact in terms of calorie restriction because they still get to eat a ton of food but then still be in a significant calorie deficit on those days rather than the belief of i've worked hard today and then eating it all back so again if most people here were to go out for a three-hour run or a three-hour ride on a moderate effort What's that one large Domino's pizzas, maybe 1,200, 1,300, 1,500, no, 1,500 plus calories for a large Domino's? One Domino's, and that's a three-hour ride gone. Easy, right? Easy. So again, it's not that we shouldn't partake in that and we shouldn't reward ourselves for our efforts, but just with a little bit of whatever this version of moderation is. And it's why I don't like words like moderation, typically speaking, without defining what moderation is, because moderation is different for different people, you know? And, that, and that's where the, that's what tracking gives us. It gives us an ability to understand what moderation applies to us. And sometimes it's unfair because it does mean that we have to give up on some snacks. And sometimes it's unfair because, you know, or we perceive it as being unfair rather than being unfair because our expectations are, I do this amount of exercise, I should be able to eat what I want. Or I've done this bit of extra exercise, that means I can have the extra cookie or the extra, or the extra um, I don't know, donut or whatever it is. Well, okay, that might be your perception, but it's not really reality for most people. Unfortunately, um, I deal in the business of reality because I'm not one of these people who's going to tell you that it's easy and it's not. But what I'm going to say is that it's easier if we just accept that nutrition isn't easy. <laughs> we just get on with dealing with the hand we've been dealt rather than trying to play a new game with the, new, with the set cards, the deck of cards. Because that's what people do with nutrition, right? They get told what the game is and then they try and change the game. Oh, it's not this, it's that. It's not this, I'll try this diet. I'll try that diet. I'll try this exercise. I'll try PX90. I'll go to F45. I'll go to CrossFit. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll start to try and out-train a bad diet. 
or I'll try and change my diet and that diet didn't work for me. And then 300 diets later, 300 different exercise programs later, we're still left with the same issue, which is I struggle to regulate my food intake when I'm stressed or I'm tired or, you know, or whatever it might be. Um, so, you know, deal with the issues, yeah. not displace it onto some other thing, whether that's exercise or another diet or whatever it might be. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's bang on, bang on. And we, I think we finish on this one, Paul. I think it's a good one to finish on is um, Melissa's asking, how much emphasis should we put on what we are eating compared to the macros? So for example, I know to lose weight, macros need to be hit, but sometimes, and this is on me not planning carefully, I'm not eating as many nutrient nutrient right. foods as I used to, and they don't help me hit my macros. Again, I'm going to just take a step back outside of this and remember, this is a process right? It's not something we need to get nailed from day one. So whatever you feel, and this, I'm going to I try and talk wider to the group with this one. So whatever you feel is the thing that you can handle the best of at the moment. So, you know, it might be that you just track what you're eating normally and reduce portion sizes. For some people, the calories might be super high with what they're eating. So it might be that you say, right, actually, I'm going to cut my portion size in half and eat more fruits and vegetables. I'm not suggesting that What's important to you is important to you. So it might be that I would say that for some people, even if their if their food choices are really like I would say terrible, let's say we're just living off beige food all of the time, everything's out of the freezer, straight into the oven. Okay. Again, I'm a fan of convenience food. I've talked about it before. I eat a lot of microwave meals and stuff. It might just be worth saying that I'm going to try and improve my food quality. And as a result of that, what you'll see is calories go down, typically speaking. So if you take, if you were to say like you have like, I don't know, I'm going to find something I found in someone's fridge the other day, which I didn't realize adults ate still, um, was by adults, I mean, people over the age of 30, that's what I'm qualifying that as, is, you know, I found some like bird's eye potato waffles in someone's fridge. And I was just like, do you eat this as an adult? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure they're great. But if, if you're, if, would you be better? I'm joking. I love bird's eye potato waffles. It was my freezer. I'm joking. I'm teasing myself. Um, the, the point is that like, if you look at a plate and you can't see a few different colors in there, as in like, if there's no green, there's no orange, there's no red, there's no purple, there's nothing on there that you would say isn't beige. You can simply start by improving the food quality of your diet by maybe swapping a bird's eye potato waffle for a portion of vegetables, right? And what you will see miraculously is your calorie content will come down because it's lower calorie food. So they're not mutually exclusive. What I would say is, I would say that calories are more important from a weight management perspective. Food quality is going to make your calorie control much more easier. So if you focus on not necessarily swapping everything all of the time, but if you look across the, you know, you've tracked for a couple of weeks now, if you look across those meals and go, could I just add some vegetables to that and reduce the portion of something else? Start that way around rather than going whatever our perception of healthy eating is, which is chicken and broccoli, because that's the other extreme that people go to, right? I'm not going to have any beige food. And then they go the other way and then they just live off like dull, dull kind of like flavorless, overly cooked spinach and, you know, cod with no seasoning type stuff as well. Um, And so it's a difficult question to answer. Start where you start, just start tracking and then just think and say, is there enough color in my diet? Simple rule. Like, are you eating three to five portions of fruits and vegetables a day? If you're not, even without the calorie control, maybe add those in as what snacks are and watch your calories come down as a result. Just see what I mean about swapping things in and out sometimes. 
rather than being like, well, I want a snack, I'll have a chocolate bar. Well, I want a snack, I'll have an orange or an apple or something like that. Fiber content goes up, quality of diet goes up, mood state goes up, energy levels go up, calorie content goes down. I have a plate and it's sausage, chips and beans. Okay, maybe I get rid of half the chips and I put some peas and carrots on there. Food quality goes up, color on the plate goes up, calories go down, right? It doesn't need to be these massive wholesale swaps in the diet, like just eat whole good nutrient-dense foods. Start slowly, look at those meals and assess them and go, is there any color on the plate other than a shade of brown? As a general rule, that's kind of what I would say to most people. Um, and if not, sometimes nutrition can be additive rather than subtractive. So even if you're having a beige meal, there's something psychological about putting some, like a side salad with it, which might be 20 calories for some, you know, some like lettuce, cucumber, some tomatoes with some balsamic vinegar. There's something psychological about having that, which will keep you feeling fuller anyway, even if you've eaten the other calories for the sake of 20 calories. I'm talking myself into saying that food quality is going to make weight loss easier, but we still need to be aware of calories because again, people tend to overeat on what they perceive as being healthful foods. I think that typically applies mostly though to people who eat things like nuts and seed bars, where it's like, oh, this is a nut and seed bar. This is healthy. It hasn't got 400 calories in for a, a flapjack because it's, um, what's it? No, it's all natural sugars. So the calories don't count in this. That's where that perception comes in the other side of it. So when I say like food quality, I think it's really important to understand what I mean by that rather than an interpretation. So what I'm saying here is like, focus on the calories first, but just look at your meals and think of opportunities to put some veggies in there is what I'm saying, you know, rather than just simply going to the other extreme of right, all food quality without really understanding what food quality is. Cause even if you to ask me what I mean by food quality, that's a really difficult question to answer. <laughs> like, I'm trying to not talk around the houses on this one, but I'm finding it really difficult not to for this reason. Um, yeah. So just look at your meals and just make them less beige as a starting point. Just yeah. What I've like, uh, I'm from the camp of convenience flat out, but I've used this challenge to be more whole foods and veggies. Yeah. And I found yeah. like the Mediterranean chicken, which is the veg part of the cooking video, just put loads of colored veggies into a tray. I know it sounds simple in it, but you put it in the oven and it's done like. And they add so much to your meals and you can just put, it's, it's, it's actually so stupidly simple. I don't know why I've never done it. It's, and it is, but it's habits. It's habits, right? Because again, you get into that, oh, vegetables take ages to cook, um, yada, yada, yada. And like, it is, it is one of the things where I'd say like of my weekend behaviors that I need to work on, like I was saying this weekend, I had a bit of a beige weekend, but it's the identification of how, um, how much of a positive impact that has in terms of the, the wider things like mentally, fullness, hunger, energy levels and all that stuff. But quite often, like I said, the good thing about quality food, nutrition quality is it's, it's quite often additive, not subtractive from the diet. It's one of the few things that you can add to your nutrition, which probably helps weight loss easier rather than to take away carbs, take away fats, take away alcohol, take away snacks. With a lot of fruits and vegetables, if you fill out your meals with those things, you can have more food volume, more fullness and for very little calorie cost and therefore calorie intake tends to drop off as a result. Not all nutrition needs to be about restriction and control. The addition of those foods will actually see calorie intake drop down. I think that's what I was trying to summate before. So even if you're not sure about what to take away from foods in terms of the quality of diet you're having, add those things in. I mean, like I showed last week, the microwave meals I have there, like I would just get a beige microwave. And like, this is typical for me because I don't have time. Like, 
I get these good balanced ones from Asda. Like you can see like the greens, the oranges in there, the pepper in there. That's 400 calories and what's the protein in this one? I don't know what the protein is total, <laughs> but enough protein. Uh, like 28, 29 grams of protein. You know, that's convenience food, but that isn't a grey a gray lasagna from, you know, wherever, which is like eight, 700, 800 calories. So, like, again, you know, these are like two for five quid at thingy. And, yeah, I know that's not cheap, but for me, convenience is more important than the time that I have to sit in front of the stove most days of the week. And, again, I said this last week, I enjoy cooking. But, like, it's just things like that where you can make better choices, and they taste great as well. They do taste nice. They might not be as nice as eating bird's eye potato waffles, chips and beans, or sausage and beans. But, you know, for the trade-off of what it is, the convenience of that, and I'm completely in control without needing to worry about... Um... I guess uh, it's a mindset thing with veg as well, I think. Like, yeah. approaching veg as... Yeah, veg can be amazingly nice, like, stunning, full of flavour, whatever. But I think as we grow up, like, veg is boring... You think it's boring, and then you just you eat boring veg, which is like broccoli from Sainsbury's. What, I remember Dan. What did Dan make me? Dan Jones, animal call. What did he do? I think he fried. He did broccoli glazed in something, and it was the best freaking thing I've snacked on in my life. I'll ask yeah. him what he did, but the, you know, I think veg can be amazing. Well, it's 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 the um. I don't know what it is like. It's. Like my mum's generation just love murdering vegetables. Like they overcook them, they make them rubbery. Yeah. They don't, they just season them with like 17 tons of salt. You know, like <laughs> I made actually, I said I had a beige weekend. I made broccoli. And what did I make? I made a handmade sweet potato fries and fried them in a dry fryer, so not too bad. And what else did I make with it? Oh, I handmade pizza. I made homemade pizza as well, just because like I was bored and I like, haven't baked anything in a while. But with that, I had sauteed broccoli but didn't like put it in loads of oil and butter. It was just kind of like a tiny bit of sunflower oil, little bit of seasoning, little bit of chili flakes, a few little pine nuts. And that's great. Like, yeah, okay. Is it probably more calorific than having your dry grilled <laughs> broccoli or steamed broccoli? Yeah, but even that, you know, it's the seasoning and everything else as well, which makes a, which makes a massive difference. Um, and again, it's the perception of stuff. So, I mean, sweet potato fries are still fried sweet potato. They're still probably quite calorific, but the fact that I've cooked that myself and made an effort to kind of restrict the fat so it's not just like laden in it psychologically is something for me which is important as well. Like I prefer to cook most of my grey food, even if I am, even if it is grey, or sorry, grey, beige food, even if it is beige, because I feel like I have more control over it. Um, I don't think what I cook now this weekend. I think I think it's a good task for us. I think like we can, we can leave it. The task is everyone who's got like a really good veg recipe that's going to make veg just amazing to snack on. Can you like just write down what it is and like do a short, like you could do like a short video version and yeah. post it in a group. Because I think, I think that if we can snack on good veg, I think that's going to help loads of us. Uh, should make a TikTok, yeah, if you can, Jess. I think you're young enough to understand how to do it. I don't know, Dr. P might be out of range. I am not on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think we need to yeah, basically, so I think we need to get some veg snacky things going, like the kale crisps. I think Louise did that before. I need to get the recipe back. Uh, happy days. Yeah, let's do that. Well, Paul, what, what, what? Last, last. Any facts? Anything you've learned? Any, anything you want to leave people with today? Listening back on this and replay. What's your little I think, sentences of wisdom? Yeah. 
I think a lot of what we focused about today in terms of like resistance to snacking and stuff is like, it all seems like it's subtractive and control and things as well. And there's an element to that. Um, I like the way Yakira has gone from one side of it saying snacks are awesome to the next side of it saying snacks are the devil. I love a pendulum swing. What we want is this idea of balance emotionally around food as well, somewhere in the middle, right? Um, so I think that we talk a lot about subtraction, but not all nutrition, not all nutrition needs to be subtractive. Adding things in for the benefit of our health should be something that becomes a priority and not just focusing on the things that we can't do and the things that we get frustrated with because we can't be accurate and so on and so forth. And focusing on the things that we can do that aren't, you know, that aren't a punishment to ourselves and veggies are a great way of starting that. And so, yeah, I think take home message this week is think about how nutrition adds to nutrition that you can add. That's going to add more quality to your diet as in more fruits and vegetables. But also if you're doing that, trying to make an awareness of how that's helping you in terms of hunger and appetite control as well, because it will help massively. Like it will, like I guarantee you people will go, Oh, well, it's the carbs, fats and the proteins and that, and that's great. And then protein in particular, but I guarantee you, focus on your fiber, your fruits, your veggies. Make a few of those swaps of snacks for something which is a bit more of a um, veggie-based snack or a fruit-based snack. And, yeah, and then and then use that as a springboard to then make more positive changes rather than change everything at once. Addition rather than subtraction. Sounds good to me, Paul. I will work on that this week. Everyone else will. And as always, thanks, Paul, for sharing your wisdom, Mike. Yeah. Sorry, Paul, my, uh, back on, uh, the pseudoephedrine's pseudo wearing off tonight. I'm dosed up to my eyeballs because I'm not feeling very well. So I'm starting to crash now. My mind's gone a bit fuzzy. Um, just start writing random stuff on your whiteboard and let me know what you come up with. Uh, you can let me put up and send it to me at 1am if you want. Keen just going to solve some... sleeping at night. Riddle. Right. What's that game, Wardle? Try Wardle, Paul. Oh, I'm too good at that. No, fair enough. There we are then. I'm not allowed to play Scrabble. I'm not allowed to play Scrabble with people. I'm banned from playing Scrabble in my house, my family. Yeah, cheater. I'm yeah, well, no, I'm just, just, just efficient with my words, which ruins it for everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not setting you up for a triple word score. I'm not letting you take the victory. I'm gonna play for scumbag two-letter words that people question, and like, oh no, actually, is allowed in Scrabble. I'm a horrible person, like. That. Um, right, nice. on, that, You've got... on, on that note. Anyone could fight Dr. P on the end of Challenge event of Scrabble on our notes if you want to fight him on Scrabble. Anyone wants to go down with Scrabble with me, let's go I'll for it. A, I'll You're, bring a game section. European on the 16 Scrabble champion. Oh, I said no. That, that's you a lie. That down. wasn't true. That's not true. That was a lie. I don't even know if they have a European Scrabble championships, but I was just doing that to instill some fear. I'm sure they do. Probably do. Well, See you all then, guys. See you in the Turtle Radio tomorrow morning.